Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Big E here. This is episode 45 of Virginia Law for Law Enforcement Officers. And we're talking about law. What do you need to know as a Virginia law enforcement officer? Constitutional law, cases, new laws from the General Assembly, um, basically the essentials for better serving and strengthening your communities uh, as a law enforcement officer in Virginia, police, sheriff, whatever, fire marshal, whatever you're doing to serve your community. We appreciate your service, and I know that so many of you, you know, want to do it right. Uh, again, we've been out on the road teaching a lot of law enforcement officers throughout Virginia. Thank you guys so much for the feedback. Um, one of the feedback that I've got recently has been, hey, can you go over, can you kind of go into some detail about the changes in traffic laws? And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about the changes to when you can and when you can't stop an individual for violating traffic laws in Virginia. There were some big changes from the General Assembly in the fall. I'm also tracking the changes, of course, with the General Assembly this spring. Um, you know, obviously passed hundreds and hundreds of bills. The governor is now in the process of reviewing those. Um, of course, you saw that, uh, that Virginia eliminated the death penalty, so that's a big change. But there's a lot of little changes uh, that I think will affect law enforcement on a daily basis, and we'll talk about those in upcoming episodes as well. Um, we're checking those out and, and keeping track of all those as well. Today, though, I want to focus on the changes in 46.2 that the General Assembly enacted in the fall. They picked out a bunch of offenses in Virginia that essentially they turned into secondary offenses. Um, and as law enforcement in Virginia, you're probably familiar with something, you know, primary offense versus secondary offense. And I think we all kind of understand that language. But the way that they rendered these into secondary offenses, it's a little different than it was done before. Um, so to start with, you know, we have this term, and this, by the way, this term doesn't exist in the code. I think this is a term that, uh, and I didn't invent this, but somebody invented the term along the along the way that sort of explains when in law when it, when an offense is an offense that you could stop someone for versus an offense that if you if you found that somebody had violated this code section in the course of another stop, like I'm stopping somebody for speeding and I discover that they're not wearing their seatbelt, I could write them a summons for violating the code section about not wearing your seatbelt, but I couldn't stop them. If I'm driving down the road and I saw they weren't wearing their seatbelt, I couldn't stop them for that, right? That's the difference between a primary offense and a secondary offense. Um, and you may remember, for I mentioned seatbelts. For a while, seatbelt was a secondary offense. You couldn't stop someone for not wearing their seatbelt, but uh, if you stopped them for another reason, like speeding, you could write them a summons for not wearing their seatbelt if they weren't wearing their seatbelt. And then at some point, not wearing your seatbelt became a primary offense. Now, of course, we're going to see that it's gone back to a secondary offense again. Um, but uh, we're going to go through all of these today uh, and, and sort of walk through them step by step. And as we start out, we're going to talk about motor vehicles. But I want to talk at the beginning, before we talk about motor vehicles, about two big changes that, made, that the General Assembly made regarding uh, regarding pedestrians because the General Assembly didn't just change the law with respect to stops for motor vehicles. They also changed the law about when you can stop a pedestrian for uh, essentially for stepping out into a roadway uh, or for, as we call it, you know, as I think colloquially everybody calls it, uh, jaywalking. So 
uh, as you may may know, uh, the the code prohibits a pedestrian from stepping into a roadway in a space where they um, can't be seen, and also uh, stops a pedestrian from carelessly or maliciously interfering with the orderly passage of vehicles, and requires them to cross where possible only at intersections or marked crosswalks. So those are 462.923 and 926. For both of these code sections, the General Assembly enacted a restriction that states that a, no law enforcement officer shall stop a pedestrian for a violation of these code sections. And in addition, no evidence discovered or obtained as a result of the stop in a violation of this subsection, including evidence discovered or obtained with a person's consent, shall be admissible in a trial hearing or other proceeding. So, Again, if you have a situation where somebody has stepped in, in like under 462.926, somebody has stepped into a highway, into oncoming traffic at a point where uh, they can't be seen, where, where, where they'd be obscured, so they're walking out from behind a truck or something like that, or they're walking out from behind a, a barrier and just stepping into oncoming traffic, that would be a violation under the law, uh, and it still is a violation of the law, but you can't stop a pedestrian for a violation of that section. Now, if the pedestrian steps into the highway um, in violation and um, and for some reason or another, let's, let's say that person, um, you know, then causes a crash and you have to investigate that crash, right? The question is, okay, well, what's my authority with respect to that particular pedestrian, right? Um, could you walk up and ask them for identification and get their identification and uh, and write them a summons based upon that consensual encounter. In theory, you could, but one thing you need to be careful of here is this language. It says, no law enforcement officer shall stop a pedestrian for a violation of this section. No evidence discovered or obtained as a result of a stop in violation of this section, including evidence discovered or obtained with the person's consent, shall be admissible in any trial, hearing, or other proceeding. So it has to be a consensual encounter. If the pedestrian steps out from behind an obscured space, causes a crash, and then walks away, and you say, hey, sir, may I talk to you? And the person says, no, I really don't want to talk to you, officer, goodbye. There's no legal authority for you to um, stop that person in any way, uh, unless that person's committing some other offense other than this offense that I mentioned here. And that equally applies to the 923 code section, which is uh, the, which states where crossing highways, pedestrians shall not carelessly or maliciously interfere with the orderly passage of vehicles. They shall cross wherever possible only at intersections or marked crosswalks. So here again, if a pedestrian uh, maliciously interferes, that is to say their intention is to interfere with the, with the passage of traffic, um, then they uh, essentially you know, can't be charged for that. It can't be stopped for that, right? So in other words, they step out into traffic to stop traffic on purpose, right? They, they, you know, they're visible, uh, but they're stopping traffic on purpose. The code section here says no law enforcement officer shall stop a, a pedestrian for a violation of the section and no evidence discovered or obtained as a result of the stop in violation of the section, including evidence discovered or obtained with the person's consent, shall be admissible in any trial, hearing, or other proceeding. And notice, even if you had a local ordinance, they, the General Assembly has gone on to say that if you enacted a local ordinance, um, and we'll talk about this in a second, that local ordinance can't override state law, so you can't 
create the authority to do this based on a on local ordinance instead. So this language that I mentioned here, that no law enforcement officer shall stop a pedestrian for a violation of this section, and no evidence discovered or obtained as a result of the stop in violation, including evidence discovered or obtained with the person's consent, shall be admissible in any trial, hearing, or the proceeding. You're going to see that language shows up again and again in the motor vehicle restrictions they enacted. And I'm going to turn to those right now. <clears throat> the first uh, code section that they affected was the the code sections uh, 462334.01 and 335, which talk about learner's permits or ju juvenile driver's licenses. So you know a person, a juvenile driver's license has a lot of restrictions on it. A learner's permit also has a lot of restrictions on it. And the General Assembly uh, dialed those restrictions back or basically said, again, here, notwithstanding what those restrictions are, um, for example, you know, time of day, um, you know, using a cell phone while driving, uh, even if they have it in the hands-free mode, right? So a juvenile can't even attach their phone to a little hands-free holder and use it that way. Uh, a person with a learner's permit can't do that. Uh, driving with more than one passenger, um, driving between 12, p 12 a.m. and 4 a.m., all those different types of restrictions that exist on a juvenile driver's license or a learner's permit, the General Assembly uh, enacted that restriction that we talked about, that no law enforcement officer shall stop a motor vehicle for a violation of this section, and no evidence of discovered or obtained as a result of the stop in violation of that, of that, including evidence discovered or obtained with the operator's consent, shall be admissible in any trial, hearing, or other proceeding. The General Assembly also enacted a limitation on the st on stops for registration stickers and also for inspection stickers. <clears throat> so the inspection sticker code section, is, I mean the registration codes, uh, code section is 462-646. The uh, inspection sticker code section is 462-1157. So both of those require again that you have an, a a current valid registration on your vehicle and that you have a current valid inspection on your vehicle and that you have a sticker to reflect that. The General Assembly enacted a limitation, however, on that, stating that no law enforcement officer shall stop a motor vehicle due to an expired registration sticker prior to the first day of the fourth month after the original inspection date. And again, no evidence discovered or obtained as a result of the stop and violation of the section, including evidence discovered or obtained with the operator's consent, shall be admissible in any trial, hearing, or other proceeding. And they did the same thing with the inspection sticker. So uh, here again, no law enforcement officer shall stop a motor vehicle due to an expired vehicle inspection sticker until the first day of the fourth month after the original inspection date. Right. So if the original inspection date is January, right, then you got to go to the fourth month after. So February, March, April, uh, May, May. So if you've got a January inspection sticker, then you've got to go to May 1st. May 1st is the first time that you could lawfully stop a vehicle for uh, an inspection or registration. Now you might say, essentially, then, haven't we just created a situation where you've got a 16-month in inspection sticker or 16-month registration sticker? Well, remember, if I stop somebody for speeding, and they and I stop somebody for speeding, you know, in on February 1st, uh, a year after their inspection, and they, their inspection has expired or the registration has expired, I could write them a citation for the inspection sticker or the registration sticker. It 
the question here is only what can you actually stop somebody for? In other words, if I'm driving down the road and I identify that somebody has an inspection sticker that has expired, can I stop them for that? Well, you can, but you know, again, if it's a January inspection sticker, you can't do that until May. You can't stop that person until May. I could, if I had another reason to stop them, like speeding or running a red light or stop sign or something like that, then yeah, I could write them, you know, because it's expired. But otherwise, I have to wait uh, till the first day of the fourth month after the original expiration date. The <clears throat> General Assembly has also changed uh, 18, uh, 462.810.1 that prohibits a person from smoking in a vehicle when a minor under the age of 18 is present. Again, you could write someone for that code section, but you cannot pull someone over. You cannot stop someone for smoking in a vehicle with a minor present. That's not a primary offense. And if you do, uh, no evidence discovered or obtained as a result of the stop violation section, including evidence discovered or obtained with the operator's consent, shall be admissible in a trial, hearing, or other proceeding. The Defective Equipment Code section, uh, 462-1003, is a code section that I think a lot of officers will cite, a lot of law officers will write summonses for, a lot of officers use to stop vehicles. It is a very broad code section, and the General Assembly uh, turned it into a secondary offense in the fall session by including that same language here. So the Defective Equipment Code section states, it shall be unlawful for any person to use or have as equipment on a motor vehicle operated on a highway or any device or equipment mentioned in 462-1002, which is defective or in an unsafe condition. Well, the General Assembly added language here that states, no law enforcement officer shall stop a motor vehicle for a violation of this section. No evidence discovered or obtained as the result of a stop in violation of this subsection, including evidence discovered or obtained with the operator's consent, shall be admissible in a trial, hearing, or other proceeding. <clears throat> now, this is a very interesting change because while the General Assembly changed 462-1003, they did not change 462-1000. Now, 462-1000 is a little bit more limited than the Defective Equipment Code section. It also includes a lot of responsibilities for law enforcement officers that don't exist under 462-1003. So what's the difference? What does 462-1000 say? 462-1000 states that the Department of Motor Vehicles shall suspend the registration of any motor vehicle, trailer, or semi-trailer, which is not equipped with proper brakes, lights, horn or warning device, turn signals, safety glass, mirror, muffler, windshield wiper, steering gear adequate to ensure the safe move of the vehicle, <clears throat> or when the vehicle is equipped with a smoke screen device or cutout. Um, actually, a smoke screen device is a, <laughs> is a felony offense, but anyway, be that as it may. So again, if I'm encountering a vehicle, and let's say the vehicle doesn't have a proper steering wheel, Right, or it's operating without proper brakes, or it doesn't have functioning. You know, uh, it's 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 got something that's it doesn't have the proper equipment that it needs to operate safely. Right? Could I um, stop that vehicle? Right? If it's defective equipment, if the reason I would normally stop that vehicle is for defective equipment, and the answer to that is no. No law enforcement officer shall stop a motor vehicle for a violation of the subsection. No evidence discovered or obtained as a result of the stop in violation of the subsection, including evidence discovered or obtained with the operator's consent, shall be admissible in a trial hearing or other proceeding. <clears throat> but 
If it falls under that list of things, brakes, lights, horn, warning device, turn signal, safety glass, mirror, muffler, windshield wiper, steering gear, um, you know, let's say it doesn't have tires, right? Let's just, you know, you see in DUI cases, we see this a lot, right? Somebody's just driving on the rims of their tires, right? The code section 462-1000 also has a catch-all. When such motor vehicle trailer or semi-trailer is otherwise unsafe to be operated. Well, 462-1000 includes a directive to law enforcement. Any law enforcement officer shall, when he observes any defect in a motor vehicle as described above, take possession of the registration card, license plate, and decals of any such vehicle. But this code section includes a lot of responsibility for the law enforcement officer that doesn't exist under 1003, under the regular defective equipment code section, which is why I think most law enforcement officers don't use this or uh, don't necessarily follow the directive of 1000 because what it requires you to do is retain the registration card, license plate, and decals in your possession for a period of 15 days and then give the owner of the vehicle the opportunity to correct or obtain new safety inspection stickers from an authorized safety inspection station. And then if it's corrected, then those regist that registration card, license plates, and decals have to be returned to the owner. You can write a summons to somebody for a violation of 462-1000, but the court uh, may, in its discretion, dismiss the summons where proof of compliance is provided to the court on or before the court date. So notice here, if I've got the vehicle driving on its rims or the vehicle doesn't have a proper steering wheel, you know, it's got a, you know, somebody's tied a wrench or something like that to it and they're driving it with a wrench or something like that, um, you know, clearly that's unsafe. And you would say, well, you, you know, the General Assembly by saying, okay, 462-1003 is, is a secondary offense. I couldn't stop somebody for a violation of that code section. Well, 462-1000 still permits you to make a stop, but you have to hold on to the registration card, license plates, and decals for a period of 15 days, and you have to give the person an opportunity to fix that. And if they fix it within the 15 days, then you got to return it to them. You're required to return their registration card, license plates, and decals. You can write them a summons, but the summons can be dismissed based upon their compliance. So there's more responsibility for you if you're going to use 462-1000, but it's a tool available for those truly unsafe vehicles that you encounter from time to time driving down the road you know, maybe they're in an unsafe condition and the person realizes it, or maybe they're in an unsafe condition and the person is intoxicated and they're driving a vehicle with, you know, uh, no tires on the rims. Again, we see that, you know, from time to time. Uh, so, you know, that that sort of, a, if you're dealing with truly defective, unsafe equipment, um, and again, the code section has that catch-all in there, which says a vehicle that's being operated in an unsafe way, it, it's the actual physical condition is unsafe, you can stop that vehicle. Um, 462-1013 addresses taillights and tag lights. And initially, when we read this code section and we saw the General Assembly, we saw the summary of the bill, we thought it meant that law enforcement couldn't stop people for defective taillights. But that's actually not what it says. So 462-1013 says that you have to have two rear red lights plainly visible in clear weather from a distance of 500 feet and it has and so that is true and if a person doesn't have operational tail lights and i'm not talking about brake lights i'm talking about tail lights 
Um, that's still a primary offense, not having two red lights plainly visible in clear weather from a distance of 500 feet is still a primary offense in Virginia. Uh, it's not, the General Assembly didn't change that. We thought that they did, but in fact, no, they didn't change that. What they changed in 462.1013 is the tag light section. So section B of 1013 talks about tag lights, right? Uh, that, the, that the rear lights either have to have a white light that emits from the taillights themselves that emits the, the, the license plate, or more commonly, you just have a, a tag light over the license plate. And in that instance, if the, off, if the person, if the driver of the vehicle doesn't have sufficient light to light up the license plate, that's not a primary offense. You couldn't stop somebody for that. And again, if you stop somebody for violation of a tag light, the tag light code section, um, no evidence discovered or obtained as a result of stopping violation section, including evidence discovered or obtained with the operator's consent should be admissible in any trial, hearing, or other proceeding. So that portion of the code they did change. But the requirement that a vehicle have two rear red lights plainly visible in clear weather for a distance of 500 feet to the rear of the vehicle, that's still a primary offense in Virginia. Well, we're on the subject of this, though. What about brake lights, right? Tail lights and brake lights are different. 4621014 deals with the requirement of having to at least two brake lights that exhibit a red or amber light plainly visible in clear weather from a distance of 500 feet. The General Assembly did change that. They stated that a no law enforcement officer should stop a motor vehicle trailer or semi-trailer for violation of this section. But again, because the governor stepped in at the last moment and said, you know, we need to dial this back. This is a safety issue. Uh, the governor did request an amendment and an amendment was made. So now a law enforcement officer may stop a vehicle if it displays no brake lights. So if one brake light is out and one brake light works, or if five brake lights are out, but one brake light works, uh, then that vehicle, uh, then, then an officer has no authority to stop the vehicle for those um, non-functioning brake lights. But if the vehicle has no functioning brake lights, then yes, a via of the law enforcement can still stop that vehicle for violation of 4621014. And remember, if you've stopped this person for speeding or you know running a stop sign or running a red light, uh, and they have one brake light out, you could still write them a summons for that because you stopped them for another reason. So uh, tail lights, that code section is still fully in effect. Um, tag lights, no, that's a secondary offense. Brake lights is, is a secondary offense, but if it has no working brake lights, then that's a primary offense. Um, and uh, what about the stop, the supplemental high mount stoplight while we're on the topic, right? Um, that's a requirement that's existed since 1986. Um, that light, again, is sort of supposed to be actuated with the brake lights. That's treated in a different code section, right? The supplemental high mount stoplight um, is a third requirement, is, a, is sort of in addition to the two taillights. You may not stop a vehicle for a violation of the supplemental high mount stoplight code section any longer. No law enforcement officer shall stop a motor vehicle for violation of this code section. Uh, no evidence discovered or obtained is relevant to stop in violation of the subsection, including evidence discovered or obtained with the operator's consent, shall be admissible in any trial, hearing, or other proceeding. So uh, here again, if the vehicle's supplemental high mount stoplight is not working, then um, then then, you know, if you stop them for speeding or running a red light or running a stop sign, then yes, you could write them a summons for it. But if that's the only violation you observe, then no, that, that's not a basis to, to conduct a stop. Um, by the way, what if the only brake light that works is the supplemental high mount stop light? 
this is an interesting question, right? Because here, if you have a vehicle, so the regular brake lights don't work, but the supplemental high mount stop light um, does work, is that could would you have a lawful basis to stop that vehicle? And I, I don't think that you would. I think they're in different code sections, but they are. I think they're cons and it's not the same as a brake light because it's a supplemental high mount stop light that's actuated only in conjunction with the brake lights and the hazard lights. Um, but I would be surprised if a court would find that that's a lawful stop. The code doesn't really make it clear. But uh, I wouldn't rely on that as my basis for the stop until the courts have ruled otherwise. I just, I, I don't think the code reads that way. I don't think a court would agree that the code reads that way. But it's an interesting question. So, uh, so again, if the only if the only brake light that works in a vehicle is a supplemental high mount stop light, may I use that as a basis to stop a vehicle? I don't think you could. <clears throat> um, so we're talking about lights. Uh, lights is a big issue. Lights is a safety issue. Uh, and that brings us to 46.2.10.30, which is the headlight code section. Now here again, uh, the, the headlight code section requires a vehicle to have two functioning headlights and that you display those headlights. And there are sort of three times that you have to display those headlights. One of those times is uh, when the from sunrise, sunset to sunrise. In addition, you have to display your headlights during any other time when because of rain, smoke, fog, snow, sleet, insufficient light, or other unfavorable atmospheric conditions, visibility is reduced to a degree whereby persons or vehicles on the highway are not clearly discernible at a distance of 500 feet. And then the third time that you have to have your headlights on is when other windshield wipers are in, uh, are, are, are in use as a result of fog, sleet, uh, rain, or snow. Now, it's never been lawful to stop a vehicle in in violation of that third provision, right? So we've never had the authorities, law enforcement, to stop somebody for not having their uh, windshield wipers on and their headlights, I mean, not having their headlights on when their windshield wipers are on. <clears throat> but the General Assembly expanded that limitation to cover all stops for all, uh, all, all times when someone's headlights aren't on, when they, uh, in the General Assembly's fall special session. They stated that no citation for a violation um, shall be issued uh, for if for the not having your headlights on when your windshield wipers are on. That's always been the law, right? Uh, unless you had some other reason to stop the person. If you do have a reason to stop the other reason to stop the person, like they're speeding or they're involved in a crash or whatever, you could write them a, sum a summons for that, but you couldn't stop them for that. But they added here as well, no law enforcement officer shall stop a motor vehicle for a violation of the headlight code section at all. And again, no evidence discovered as a result of the stop violation of this subsection, including evidence discovered or obtained with the officer's consent, shall be admissible in a trial, hearing, or other proceeding. But the governor, again, stepped in at the last second, and he demanded there be a change. Because again, driving without headlights in the middle of the night is a real serious safety issue. And so the General Assembly agreed to his change, which was that law enforcement officers may stop a vehicle if it displays no lighted headlights during the time periods set forth in Section A of 462.1030. So what are those time periods? Well, there's two time periods listed in Section A. One is from sunset to sunrise. If you encounter a vehicle from sunset to sunrise that doesn't have any lighted headlights, 
then you may still stop that vehicle. It's a primary offense. If it only has one headlight out, you can't stop that vehicle. Now, again, is not having one headlight a safety issue? 100% is a safety issue, but you can't stop the vehicle for that. If you stop them for speeding or running a red light or whatever, then yes, you can write them a summons for it. But you can only stop for no headlights. The other time period listed here is when because of rain, smoke, fog, snow, sleet, or insufficient light or other unfavorable atmospheric conditions, visibility is reduced to a degree where persons or vehicles on a highway are not clearly discernible at a distance of 500 feet. Note also, though, <clears throat> that uh, 462.10.30 also states that no more than four lights shall be lighted at any one time. Um, this code also prohibits somebody from having, you know, like driving a truck with, you know, 10 lights on the front of it, you know, so you have all this blaring headlights all at the same time. The General Assembly also stated you can't stop a vehicle for that violation either. So <clears throat> essentially, if you have somebody who is driving with, you know, some big, huge bank of blinding headlights, here the General Assembly has removed the ability for law enforcement to stop the vehicle, at least for that violation. Um, 462.1049 is a requirement that vehicles have an exhaust system that's in good working order. Uh, and, you know, again, having chambered, chambered pipes, you can't do that. Um, it's got to essentially be standard factory equipment or the equivalent. Again, the code changed. The requirement here is no law enforcement officer shall stop a motor vehicle for violation of this section. No evidence discovered or obtained as a result of a stop in violation of this section, including evidence discovered or obtained with the officer's consent, shall be admissible in a trial, hearing, or the proceeding. But remember that 462-1000 requires you to have a functioning muffler. So if you have a vehicle that's com that has no functioning muffler, could you stop that vehicle? Sure, you could stop them under 462-1000, but you have a lot of responsibilities under 462-1000. You have to hold on to that, the person's um, registration card, license plate, and decals, give them the opportunity to fix it. If they do get it fixed, then they have to get it back within 15 days. They have 15 days to fix it. Um, the summons can be dismissed and so on. So we covered that already, but that's, again, unique to this code section as well. Um, 462.1052 is the window tint code section, and that is also now a secondary offense. So if you're somebody who's worked a lot with the window tint code section, you have a tint meter and so on, you can still write people for violations of this, but it's not a basis to stop a vehicle. And while we're on the topic, <clears throat> obstructed view, which is 462.1054, is similarly limited, right? So you're familiar with uh, 1054, that requires that you can't drive a vehicle with any object or objects that are suspended from any part of the motor vehicle that, that obstruct the driver's clear view. Here again, no law enforcement officer shall stop a motor vehicle for violation of a section. No evidence discovered or obtained as a result of the stop in violation, including evidence discovered or obtained with the operator's consent, shall be admissible in a trial, hearing, or the proceeding. The other thing that the General Assembly did with this code section was change it to require that the obstruction be substantial. That you have to, in other words, even if I stop the person for speeding or running a red light, I can't write them a summons for this unless it's a substantial obstruction. So merely having a parking tag or something like that hanging from the windshield probably wouldn't be enough unless it substantially obstructed the driver's clear view. And that is a change to the law because the general, you know, the, the courts have said before, you know, a parking tag, because it does obstruct part of your view, uh, would be enough for a stop. Of course, now it's not enough for a stop ever, but even if you did stop someone for another reason, uh, you couldn't write them a summons unless it substantially obstructed the view. As I indicated, 1094, 42-1094, which governs driving seatbelts, driving with uh, a seatbelt on, has gone back to being a secondary offense. 
The important thing to note about this, though, is that that's for adults. The, the section, which is 46 to 1095, which, the, which requires you as a driver to properly restrain children in vehicles, that is unchanged, and it still permits law enforcement to stop vehicles if the children in the vehicle are not properly restrained. That's a different code section. Uh, that's still a primary offense, but for adults, it's gone back to being a secondary offense, gone back to the way it was uh, for some of you who might remember. The last thing I want to mention here is what about local ordinances? Um, the General Assembly made clear here that no governing body of a city, town, or county can create a code section that would be a cause for a stop when that is not a cause for a stop under state law. So in other words, if the thought is, oh, well, we as a locality will enact our own seatbelt ordinance, and that'll be a basis to stop people uh, for law enforcement, the answer to that is no. If, if you know, again, if, it, if the state code doesn't allow you to stop for the state seatbelt violation, the locality cannot override that by creating their own seatbelt ordinance. And in addition to that, as far as stopping people for violations of uh, vehicle ownership or maintenance rules in a locality, like again, if a locality has a muffler regulation, um, you can't stop someone for a violation of ownership or maintenance violations of local ordinances unless the violation is a jailable offense. And there's real restrictions on when localities can make jailable offenses. So that's a pretty significant limitation on your local ordinances. And the General Assembly specifically targeted local ordinances regarding motorcycles, mopeds, motorized skateboards, or scooters, um, and the regulations regarding their muffler and exhaust systems. Uh, localities right now in Virginia can regulate the noise made by mopeds, motorcycles, motorized skateboards, or scooters uh, that have muffler and exhaust systems and produce noise that may be hazardous to the health. Police officers now, law enforcement officers, may not stop these vehicles for a violation of those noise ordinances. So that restriction was enacted as well by the General Assembly. So a lot of big changes to motor vehicle law and uh, laws of stopping uh, individuals for violation of motor vehicle laws enacted in the fall session. I hope that was helpful. Uh, I'm going to try to create a handout too and share it with some people and see maybe if that's useful, if you guys find it helpful to kind of stick in your summons book and have as a little guide. So that's all I got for you guys today. Uh, I hope you like the podcast. If you do like the podcast, keep telling your friends. If you don't like the podcast, I don't know why you're still listening. Uh, we're on episode 46. You probably should find something else that you like better. But um, the, uh, the we're on Stitcher. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on SoundCloud. If you want us to be on another app, just let me know. If you have a topic that you'd like me to cover, let me know. I'm happy to, uh, to give you information that's useful, valuable. But for today, that's all from me. That's all from Big E. Stay safe and don't get captured.